Angel's Calling by Victoria J. Price An audio drama from the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast Last time on The Angel's Calling Alexander is the youngest leader of angels in the history of Ohinian, a world paralleled to Earth. Ohinian's son is dying, and its inhabitants are on the brink of war. A witch's prophecy convinced Alexander to retrieve 17-year-old Fia Aldrich from Earth, the one girl who could be the solution to their problems. But when he found Fia, her life had been turned upside down by the tragic death of her sister. Unwilling to burden Fia with the fate of Ohinian, Alexander sought out Hazel, an Earth witch, to find out if Fia really was the girl he was looking for. Part 2 Alexander's Mission A young man enters the park, dressed in a black suit and shirt, the top button undone. He glances in Hazel's direction. Then, his eyes meet Alexander's, just for a second. He sees you. He's not the first to have seen me. Not even on this visit. Many of the witches here are not as friendly as my brothers and sisters in Ahinion. I don't recognize him from my coven, but then I am not in the inner circle. Far from it. We need to be quick if he's watching. Don't take your eyes off him and watch the exits. Another man enters the park, dressed in a similar black uniform and sits on the same bench. The two men greet each other as if they're friends. What if fear isn't the one? Then what? Look for another girl, another destined to save Ohinion? We don't have time to start searching again. Ohinion's son is dying. The creatures of Alexander's world are behaving in ways they never have before, and Fia could help. She could unite them before the sun dies. I have watched Fia for some time. She has not yet harnessed her gift, but it is there. Some magic grows quietly over time from the smallest ember. She is the girl we seek. I am certain of it. The two men are making a show of speaking to each other, animated hands waving as they talk. I understand your hesitation. Truly, I do. You cannot return to Ahinion with the wrong girl, so watch her then. Observe her behaviour until you are convinced. The two men are staring at them now, and Alexander is already on his feet, alert. The Earth Witches are up to something. I don't know what, but I intend to find out. Time to go. Watch her, Alexander. Watch her and learn for yourself. Hazel barely finishes her last sentence before she jogs towards the far exit as if she's resuming a run. The two men stand, already pacing towards Hazel. Alexander doesn't hesitate. He flies across to the homeless man, the wind from his wings blowing over empty glass bottles. Hey, what you going to do that for? Sorry, my friend. And... I'm sorry for this, too. Alexander pushes his wings out with full force, their span casting a shadow across the bench for the man to see. Angel. It's a bloody angel. 
an angel. The two men in black uniform turn their attention from Hazel, staring right at Alexander. Not at the homeless man like Alexander had hoped, but at him. Hazel wasn't sure they were witches, but that's all the confirmation I need. The witches sprint towards him as the homeless man staggers away. Leave me alone, the lot of you. Alexander has no weapons, and he knows drawing the witches to him could be foolish, but he has to give Hazel time to escape. The nearest one pulls out a knife, and with a flick of his wrist, it whistles through the air towards Alexander, but he tucks his wings behind him and spins out the way. Grab him. The dagger lands in the grass, and Alexander kicks at the handle with his bare foot. He looks up just as the second witch dives at him, head low, ready to tackle, and catches Alexander round the waist. Stay away. We don't need to fight, we can talk. Alexander shoves back, flexing his wings for extra force, waiting for the moment the second witch reaches him to thrust his wings outwards and push the witches back. It gives him the opening he needs. As the witches stagger back to their feet, he pushes off into the air. He's getting away! Alexander flies high over the buildings of London, leaving the two witches calling out colourful earth language behind him. Empty-handed, the Lady Noor flicks her long braid over her shoulder as she strides across the clifftop to greet Alexander. Duty calls. He surveys the forest below him, his eyes searching for any signs of unrest. No plumes of smoke stretch across the horizon. No balls of flame flash in the twilight. I'll need to request more patrols of the area before I return to Earth. More angels will need to be stationed in Ohinian cities too. A good plan. Tell me, do you always take your weapons to Earth? <clears throat> the Earth Witches are unusual. Hazel fears them. As she should. Very few witches are trustworthy. I happened across a group of mercenaries today, making their way south. Himeran or Irrelusion. They're as bad as each other. Irrelusion. From the foothills of Ortesh. Why they've come south, I do not know, but I would bet the silver coins that it has something to do with our dying sun. Ohinion and Earth sit parallel to each other, and although they share many similarities, Ohinion's dying sun is probably the greatest difference. For all anyone knew, they were mere months away from chaos. Many threads connect us all. I'd have liked to make one last circle of the forest before returning to Earth, but... There isn't time. Mercenaries. This far south? I've never heard of such a thing. But you're right. Their movements will likely be connected to the dying sun, and I'm going to find out why. Have you found the girl? Here. It's only water. None of that spiced muck they're so fond of in these parts. How could one girl change the fate of a world? I found the one Hazel believes, to match your prophecy, yes. But? But... I have my reservations. I've not yet seen enough to... 
pluck her from her world and bring her here. Other humans speak to animals. He's witnessed it many times. They talk and coo and sing to them. But Fear had not long left the hospital, so there had been little to observe, except for a moment at her sister's funeral, when a fox had darted out from the bushes. Has it already been a few winks since the accident? It feels as if only days have passed. Nor scoops a handful of dirt from beside her feet and holds her palm open. They call it magic, the earth witches. The dirt begins to tremble and shake, as if a tiny earthquake is taking place in her still palm. Call it power, energy. Call it any word you choose. Sometimes it lies dormant until it awakens. Sometimes nothing more than the passing of time helps it grow. A seedling sprouts in the dirt, and then a leaf appears, and another. Nor places her empty hand over it, and when she takes it away, the seedling is a fully bloomed flower in the palm of her hand. We don't have time. Nor puts the flower down gently, patting it into the soil. She brushes off her hands when she is done. Perhaps not. But it is, as you say, Alexander. You cannot simply pluck her from her world unless you are certain. Hazel could be wrong, and you might have little trust for the witches, but we would not expect you to take just anyone from Earth and bring them here. I've no idea how to send her back. She could very well be trapped here. How are you communicating with Hazel, anyway? (laughs) We have our ways. I hope you can understand that there are some things I cannot tell you yet. My hope is that our work here and with Hazel will change that. Hazel is missing, Nor. I can't find her anywhere. Hazel is... resourceful. I know you'll look out for her. It was a request. Alexander understood the danger. That was why he'd returned to Ahinian, to collect his weapons the moment he knew Hazel was missing. Whatever the Earth Witches were up to, it didn't sit right with him. Very well. Stay close to the forest. He doesn't wait for a response. He walks away, putting enough distance between them until it's safe to extend his wings and push off into the night. going. Sorry? When Alexander returned to Earth, he found Fear leaving her flat, dressed ready for the gym. But she didn't jog in her usual direction of the park. He follows her now down wet streets, a backpack slung over her shoulder. Fear Aldridge. I have an appointment at 10.15. Alexander follows her up a narrow staircase and into a small waiting area with chairs. Fear, do come in. Please take a seat. I understand you've had to cancel your placement. 
I had an accident. But I've been working at a coffee shop. Yes. Well, unfortunately, coffee shop work doesn't really help much with your application. Have you considered deferring for a year? Another year? I passed the retakes. My application is strong. You said so last time we met. Why wait another year if the placement isn't mandatory? An archaeology degree requires significant work experience, Fia. We've been over this. Ancient history and archaeology. <clears throat> yes, well, I understand you've had a tough time. I think you should take this opportunity to get some experience and start over next year. A tough time? Right. Thank you for your time. Right. I'll email you my suggestions and some dates for next time. But Fear is already out of the door. Her steps are silent as she runs down the stairs, out through the glass entrance and onto the street. Shit! She paces backwards Shit. and forwards, counting her breaths. Tears hang in the corners of her eyes, and she pushes them away awkwardly with her hand. Alexander reaches for her, and then remembers himself. You have a duty. To Ohinion. Fia smooths her clothing neatly against her body and straightens her sling, pausing for a moment. Then she tears at the sling, pulls it off over her head and shoves it roughly into her backpack. Shit! She launches off down the street. Alexander hovers slowly beside her. If her shoulder hurts, no sign of pain flickers across her face. She picks up her pace the moment she reaches the park. Her backpack bounces up and down as she sprints past mothers pushing babies, past other joggers and a few lazy cyclists. Alexander flies above her to follow her better. takes a longer route than usual, adding more turns than necessary until she finally arrives at her gym. She rotates her shoulders slowly as she hesitates in the doorway. Hmm. It hurts a bit, but I can bear it. With a swift nod of her head to no one but herself, she retrieves a card from her bag and taps it on a wall panel to enter the building. Alexander follows her in waiting in the largest room of the gym instead of following her into the changing rooms. She appears a few moments later. Fia! No sling? Doc says I don't need it anymore. Did she now? Let's see how well it's healed then. Fia spins around, bringing her leg up into a high kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. No holding back then. <laughs> no! Really? Going for it today! Joe retaliates with a roundhouse kick. Fia jumps back, her feet shoulder width apart, her arms held up, ready to strike. <laughs> Alexander moves closer, close enough to see Fia's eyes sparkle as she lunges forward with a series of blows. Jabbing, hooking, elbow striking, the last one pushing Joe back, unsteady. Fia is strong despite her injury. Only when she lifts her arm too high does it seem to cause her any pain. And as soon as Alexander notices it, she readjusts her movements accordingly. Nicely done, Fia. Keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's strong. And she'll be okay. Here with Joe. He could watch her all morning. 
but he still has to find Hazel. As he makes his way to the exit, he feels the echo of a thread begin to tug at him. And with one last glance at Fia over his shoulder, he follows the call back out into the park. Alexander flies past joggers and dog walkers over pink and purple bushes before touching down amongst a bed of white flowers. He pushes past branches, sending petals cascading around him. But he still can't see the source of the call. Then a flash of orange catches his eyes, and he sees her. Beneath the thick branches of a tree, surrounded by rubbish and empty containers, a woman is dying. Alexander moves closer, his eyes on the cluster of orange fabric she's scrunched up in her hand. White foam trickles from her mouth and tears roll down her cheeks. You're safe now. He kneels beside her. She's young, barely older than he is. Her hair is matted, her clothes dirty. Her eyes drift up to meet his as he places his hand over the one holding her orange scarf. She jerks her hand away. No, not me. No angels for me. I came to help you. The thread pulls tighter. She's slipping away. You can't help me. I've, I've done bad things. Angels don't come for bad people. There are no bad people. There isn't much time. He reaches for her again, but she yanks her hand back. They have seconds at most. You're you're just saying that because you're an angel. If you knew what I've done. No, not yet. If she dies before taking his hand, before tethering her spirit to him, she'll be a lost cause. It doesn't matter what you did. I came to help you. It's too late. He watches her shimmering spirit as it sits up from her body, wiping at tears that are no longer there. She looks down at herself, and then at him. I don't deserve your help. She stands, brushing herself down, before realising her clothes aren't really clothes anymore. Without another word, she turns her back on him and walks away through the trees, leaving her body behind. Can't save them all. But the blow never lessens when someone decides not to go with him. He looks down at her lifeless body. How long before someone discovers her? Her spirit will probably be back before anyone finds her, and that would only add to her misery. They seem to like misery, the lost souls that wander earth. He shoves his way out of the trees, gulping in mouthfuls of fresh air to push away the stench of her vomit and of his failure. Hazel. I have to find Hazel. He pushes off into the air and catches the blue-edged shape of the woman's spirit below him as he flies over the park. Why didn't she just take my hand? There was no use dwelling on it. He'd always been taught it would be this way. Many would go with him. Many would not. It was human nature. He stretches his wings wide as the cars line up beneath him. So many vehicles. 
So much pollution in the air. Do they not feel it? He can make out the glass roof of the British Museum, the green dome in its centre. Pigeons flock down onto the stone steps before the entrance, reminding him of how fear had stared at a pigeon on her way to her meeting. There has to be more to it than that, surely. What did Noor say? Sometimes nothing more than the passing of time helps it grow. Calling Part 2, Alexander's Mission by Victoria J. Price. Tiffany Clare was the narrator. Charlie Richards played Alexander. Annabelle Broad was Fia. Maddie Serrell was Hazel. Saya Sahawi played the Lady Noor. Kirsty Wolven was Joe. Tanya O'Sullivan was the student advisor. Annika Cordes played the dying woman. Chris Gregory was the homeless man. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The presenter is Kelly Winkler. Original music and soundscapes were by Chris Gregory and published by Scared Crow Music. Sound effects were from freesound.org. The Angel's Calling is an Alternative Stories 2020 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. We would like to thank Victoria J. Price for all her help and support in the making of this podcast and for allowing us to turn her story into an audio drama. We would like to point our listeners in the direction of a new podcast from Alternative Stories collaborator, Cheyenne Bramwell. Cheyenne's new show, Word Wonk, will be out soon, and we have a trailer for you now. My name is Cheyenne Bramwell, and I am the word wonk. What that means is I like words (laughs) a lot. I like listening to them, reading them, and most importantly, fangirling over them. That's what Word Wonk Pod is all about. Sharing my love for poetry, fiction, and everything in between and also telling creators how awesome they are. Because they are. So are you. So thank you. There will be lots of guest narrators, writers, and lots and lots of squeeing, because I can't help myself. (laughs) So come check us out on Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and on our website, www.cheyennebramwell.com slash word dash wonk dash pod. And please enjoy our amazing theme song written by the wonderful Shem Von Shrek. And have a wonderful day.
So please give Word Wonk a listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also like to point you to another new show this week. Listen, Rinse, Repeat is a new initiative from a group of podcasts, including alternative stories and fake realities, to encourage people to wash their hands for the right length of time during the current crisis. We know that one of the most effective means of safeguarding ourselves and others against the COVID-19 infection is through regular hand washing. But that needs to be for the right length of time, 20 to 50 seconds ideally. Listen, rinse, repeat. We'll be putting out tiny stories lasting just the length of an effective hand wash to remind and encourage people to wash and do so for long enough. We'll put a link to the show in our show notes. We're proud to be able to contribute to this fabulous initiative, and we hope to be able to share some of our contributions with you soon. Please listen out for some extra alternative stories content in the next few weeks as we try to keep you entertained as our lives are curtailed by the COVID-19 crisis. Please make sure you subscribe to hear them as they are released and follow our social media to find out when they'll be coming out. Thank you once again for listening. We wish all our listeners and their families good health and safety at this difficult time. <laughs>